C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at CloroxHealthcare.com. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program, and thank you for joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Please visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products, keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash Radio. It's a great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Dr. Barbara McGovern, Vice President of Medical Affairs at Ceres Therapeutics. Joining us today to discuss the role of the microbiome in reducing the risk of C. diff recurrence. At this time, it's a great pleasure to introduce Dr. McGovern to the program. Welcome, Dr. McGovern, and thanks for being with us today. Oh, Nancy, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate this opportunity. You are so welcome. We are so appreciative of you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. And I'm not going to waste any time, and I'm going to move right into this interview and ask you, Barbara, that we have heard so much about Ceres Therapeutics and how they're enrolling new Phase three trials for patients who have a history of multiple recurrences of C. diff infections. Could you share with our audience uh, more about this clinical trial? Sure thing, Nancy. Um, Echospore 3, which is the name of our clinical trial, is for patients with multiply recurrent C. diff infection uh, that will evaluate the efficacy and safety of our investigational drug candidate called SEER-109. This drug is being developed to reduce the risk of recurrence of C. diff infection by rebuilding a healthy microbiome. And as many patients listening to your program can attest, uh, C. diff infection can lead to a wide range of troubling symptoms. Some patients can develop debilitating diarrhea without any other symptoms, while others may develop severe disease with diarrhea, abdominal cramping, nausea, fevers, even low blood pressure requiring hospitalization. Exactly, Barbara. The symptoms are just, you know, they're horrible, and we know that this infection is life-threatening. And, Barbara, can you um, explain what the design is of your trial? Of course. Ecosport 3 is a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial that will enroll 320 patients with a history of three or more episodes of infection, including the current active infection, which qualifies them for the study. As you know, placebo-controlled double-blind studies give us the highest quality evidence that regulators, doctors, and patients expect from us in the pharmaceutical industry. Patients with a positive C. diff test who have three or more stools a day for a minimum of two days in a row will undergo treatment for their C. diff infection with a targeted antibiotic that does treat C. diff. Once that course of antibiotics is completed and the symptoms of diarrhea have resolved, the patients can then enroll into the Ecospore 3 trial. In this trial, the study participants will be randomized to either SEER-109 capsules or placebo capsules taken once daily for three consecutive days. 
Each dose will include uh, four capsules, and the patients will be monitored for recurrence of CDI and the safety of SEER 109 treatment during 24 weeks of follow-up. Most of the follow-up is done through phone contact. Only six clinic visits during the entire study period will be needed. And the study participants will also give stool samples at various time points so we can learn how SEER 109 may improve the health of the gut microbiome compared to placebo. There's so much to learn, Nancy, about the microbiome in health and disease EcoSport 3 will be a very important step forward towards research and discovery in the human microbiome. And I want to encourage any patients who might want to learn more about our EcoSport 3 trial uh, to go on our patient uh, website at https colon backslash backslash series, S-E-R-E-S, cdifstudy.com if they want to learn more about this trial. Thank you so much, Dr. McGovern, for sharing that information. And I'm sure they'll be looking into that website for assistance. And can you tell us and remind our listeners about the role of human microbiome and what it is in overall health so that we can better understand its role in, in, in disease? Sure thing. Um, in a healthy gut, there's a symbiotic relationship between the human host and the gut microbiome. The host provides nutrients for the microbiome, and the gut microbiome provides the host with certain key functions that are essential for human health. And these include things like regulation of the immune system, synthesis of vitamins and nutrients, breakdown of complex carbohydrates, and defense against potential pathogens. Now, we've only become aware of the critical importance of the gut microbiome to health over the past several years, and the most recent estimates suggest that the human microbiome encompasses about 30 to 50 trillion microbes in the human body compared to the original estimates of 100 trillion. But either way, these are enormous numbers of bacteria that are even hard to even comprehend. Another key point about the microbiome is that it's constantly in flux during our lifetime. Key factors that appear to influence the makeup of the microbiome include your immune system, your host genetics, your diet, the environment, the process of aging, the use of certain medications such as antibiotics, for example. Uh, so these are all points that uh, influence the microbiome. Okay, thank you, Dr. McGovern. And can you tell us more about the types of microbes that are found in a healthy gut? Absolutely. Um, There's a wide diversity uh, in the microbiome, which is characterized by a very complex community of not only bacteria, but fungi, um, parasites, viruses, But the best studied component of the microbiome are the bacteria. And these are classified according to different categories. And you can think about this classification system like an organization of folders, for example. Uh, You might have in your home a large folder of recipes. And within that folder, you may have subdivisions for entrees and appetizers and desserts. 
And within the dessert folder, you may have folders for pies and cookies and cake. And within the cake folder, you might have individual recipes for lemon cake or chocolate cake, etc. Well, in a very similar fashion, bacteria are classified starting with this very broad division called a phylum all the way down to smaller subdivisions of class, order, family, genus, all the way down to the species. And although there are about 50 different phyla of bacteria described to date, there's only two phyla that dominate in the gut microbiome in healthy people. These two phyla include the firmicutes and the bacteroidetes. So healthy human microbiomes actually appear very similar at the bird's eye view. However, each person has their own signature microbiome that's unique to them, just like a fingerprint. But you can only appreciate the uniqueness of each microbiome if you look at the individual components of these diverse ecosystems at the much lower species level. It's only at this fine level of detail that you can observe the differences that set each person apart. That's amazing. And Dr. McGovern, we have two minutes before we pause for a commercial break. And we wanted to know, where does C. diff fit into this classification system of bacteria? Well, C. diff is a species of bacteria that falls under the phylum firmicutes. And Clostridium is the genus, and Difficile is the species. And as we all know, Clostridium difficile is an important pathogen that can attack the gastrointestinal tract. But there are lots of beneficial Clostridia that are key to gastrointestinal health that have different species names. These beneficial Clostridia also fall under the phylum firmicutes, which dominate in the healthy microbiome. Okay, well, Dr. McGovern, I am going to say that right now you've shared a tremendous amount of information with our listeners. Uh, We're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing the role of the microbiome in reducing the risk of C. diff recurrence with our guest, Dr. Barbara McGovern, Vice President of Medical Affairs at Ceres Therapeutics. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. 
Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing. Number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for joining us today. It's a great pleasure to reintroduce our guest today, Dr. Barbara McGovern, Vice President of Medical Affairs at Ceres Therapeutics. Barbara joins us today to discuss the role of the microbiome in reducing the risk of C. difficile recurrence. Dr. McGovern, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here, Nancy. Uh, Well, thank you. We're just so happy that you are, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Before break, um, you had mentioned earlier that the microbiome defends us against pathogens like C. difficile. Can you explain that concept further to our audience? Absolutely. In In a healthy state, our diverse microbiomes exclude potential pathogens through a property called colonization resistance. There's a variety of possible ways that the microbiome may interfere with potential invaders. For example, uh, bacteria may compete with C. diff for available nutrients or may crowd out uh, C. diff from its usual living place in the gut. So the loss of food or loss of niche may force C. diff out of your gastrointestinal tract when your microbiome is healthy, and that prevents C. diff from colonizing your gut. This property of colonization resistance is one of the key functions of a healthy microbiome because colonization is the first step towards infection. When C. diff colonizes the gut and replicates to a large number of species, the machinery of the bacteria turn on to start producing these harmful toxins that make people sick. In contrast, a healthy microbiome protects us from colonization by Uh, invaders like C. diff. So it's important to understand that colonization is the key major step that occurs prior to infection. So if you can resist colonization, you can resist infection. So Dr. McGovern, what happens if there are changes in the health of the microbiome? Well, reduced microbial diversity can lead to an imbalance of the gut microbiome. We call this uh, dysbiosis. Dysbiosis can be short-lived if the microbiome is resilient and can bounce back. And in such cases, the microbiome will return to a healthy state. But if dysbiosis persists, this imbalance, this host 
uh, ability to resist the colonization of pathogens is compromised, and these invader bacteria can then flourish. So it's also important to understand that dysbiosis has not only been associated with infections, but also with uh, all other diseases like diabetes, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, and other medical conditions. This should not be a surprise since we said that the microbiome provides so many different functions that the human host cannot. Exactly. And Dr. McGovern, what exactly causes dysbiosis? Well, actually, any number of factors can cause changes in the microbial diversity that leads to this dysbiosis, this imbalance. As mentioned earlier, one of the biggest risk factors for C. diff infections is exposure to antibiotics. They reduce the diversity of the gut microbiome. Another major risk factor for C. diff infection is being over the age of 65. Aging is particularly interesting with regards to C. diff because aging has been shown to be a risk factor for recurrent disease. And other factors may include stress or changes in diet. Okay, and Dr. McGovern, on the program we've heard many speakers talk of risk factors for C. difficile infection. One risk factor for CDI is the recent history of being admitted to a healthcare facility Another is prior history of antibiotics, as you just mentioned. Can, they, can you explain why these factors contribute so significantly to the risk of an infection? Sure. Um, there are two critically important steps to become infected with C. diff. The obvious key factor is exposure to the C. diff spores. However, uh, expo- although it's, um, exposure is a key factor, it's not enough to cause disease. The other major requirement is disruption of the gut microbiome, which provides uh, protection against infection. So in summary, to become infected with C. diff, you need two hits, so to speak, exposure and disruption. Exposure to the spores of C. diff and disruption of your microbiome. So with that background information, now I can get back to your original question about the risk factors. Recent admission to a healthcare facility is important because we know that C. diff spores are shed by infected patients and these spores can live on environmental services for a very long time. So being in a healthcare facility can lead to exposure. On the other hand, treatment with antibiotics can lead to disruption of the microbiome by killing harmful and healthy bacteria alike and that leads to dysbiosis. Okay. And Dr. McGovern, if antibiotics can cause dysbiosis, are they doing more harm than good? Well, I should be clear that antibiotics are critically important when a pathogen is causing serious infection and can even be life-saving. So if your doctor prescribes antibiotics for an infection, it's important to take your medications. But it's also important to understand that antibiotics poke holes in the microbiome by also killing beneficial bacteria that support colonization resistance. So it's important to take antibiotics only when they're necessary because of their negative impact on the microbiome. Now, there's been a major increase uh, in um, uh, antimicrobial stewardship programs throughout the United States and Europe that are focused on reducing unnecessary antibiotic exposure. 
And these programs are growing in number throughout the United States because of great concerns not only about C. diff, but also about antibiotic drug resistance. Both C. diff and antibiotic drug resistance have become major public health issues as identified by the Centers for Disease Control. In fact, uh, there's a lot of research now into whether restoring the microbiome can decrease the risk of colonization by multidrug-resistant bacteria, which is a really exciting area of research. Okay, and I know earlier you mentioned about the two steps on how individuals, um, you know, can get C. difficile, but can you explain exactly how patients get infected with C. difficile? Yes, um, I think an understanding of the life cycle of C. diff would actually be very helpful for your listeners to understand how infections occur, who's at risk, why this is such a difficult condition to treat. So let's get into more detail right now. C. difficile has a two-phase life cycle, which includes spores and actively growing forms of bacteria that we call vegetative bacteria. The spores are the dormant sleeping form of the bacteria that live in the environment, particularly in healthcare settings. These inactive spores are difficult to eradicate because they're resistant to alcohol and heat. And once they're ingested by someone, these spores can then turn into the active vegetative forms of the bacteria, which produce those harmful toxins that cause disease. So this two-phase life cycle adds complexity to our medical management of patients. Patients are treated with C. diff-directed antibiotics, which kill the vegetative forms, but they don't kill the spores. These inactive forms don't take up the antibiotic. So normally, persons with C. diff infection get antibiotics that kill the vegetative forms, and the patient begins to feel better as their diarrhea gets better and the toxin levels go down. However, if dysbiosis persists following antibiotic treatment, these patients are at risk for recurrence of the C. diff since antibiotics don't kill the dormant spores. The spores then turn into active forms and regrow once treatment with, uh, with antibiotics is discontinued and the disease starts all over again. So in summary, a person can be exposed to C. diff spores but may not develop an infection if they have a healthy microbiome, which provides colonization resistance against the C. diff spores. So the patient stays healthy. In contrast, if dysbiosis is present, the sleeping spores of C. diff can germinate into those active, very, you know, vegetative bacteria that then lead to the toxins that cause disease. Okay, very interesting. Thank you so much, Dr. McGovern. That right there is a wealth of information. Um, how, how has the antibiotic treatment of CGI changed over the last few years? Well, interestingly, um, it's actually changed very little. Um, when you think about C. diff was discovered in 1978, and um, right at that time, we started using vancomycin and metronidazole. And the, the, the um, most recent uh, development didn't even come to 2011 uh, when sodaxomycin was the next major antibiotic approval. 
Now, many epidemiologic studies have shown that approximately 25% of patients have a recurrence of C. diff after antibiotic treatment for their first episode of CDI, highlighting the need for better clinical management. Unfortunately, once a patient has a recurrence of C. diff infection, the risk of recurrence increases with each successive episode. In fact, I heard a top expert in C. diff uh, who called this the recurrence escalator. Once you're on it, it's hard to get off. Up to 60% recurrence rates have been observed in those who had a history of two or more recurrences. So one study showed that dysbiosis was more severe in those patients who do have these multiple recurrences. Well, the good news is that we now know more about how, you know, how this the infection occurs, and we can adapt the, our treatment paradigm accordingly to strive for better outcomes for our patients. Therefore, we believe that the treatment of patients with C. diff infections requires a two-pronged treatment approach. Treat the infection with antibiotics to kill those active forms of bacteria, then treat the dysbiosis by restoring the diversity of the gut microbiome. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. McGovern. We're going to take a break right here for a commercial. And when we return, we will continue discussing the role of the microbiome in reducing the risk of C. difficile recurrence with our guest, Dr. Barbara McGovern, Vice President of Medical Affairs at Ceres Therapeutics. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll free 1 844 4CDIF. That's 1 844 367 2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. The C. diff Foundation offers global community support sessions. C. diff can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the C. diff Foundation at 1-844-4C-DIFF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. 
because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products, EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes, trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. Dip Sports and More, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. Thank you so much, Barbara McGovern, for joining us today. Barbara is the Vice President of Medical Affairs at Series Therapeutics, and we welcome her to the program. Thanks for having me, Nancy. Oh, you're so welcome. We are learning so much, and thank you for discussing the role of the microbiome in reducing the risk of C. diff recurrences. And Barbara, before the commercial, you were discussing uh, CDI and information and, and infections. Um, is there a way to treat the dysbiosis of patients with a C. diff infection? Well, currently, there's no FDA-approved microbiome-based therapeutics. However, some published studies have shown that fecal transplants, also known as FMT, may be effective. FMT is the delivery of minimally processed whole stool from a healthy donor to a patient. Donors are generally screened by medical history and laboratory screening, although the screening practices do vary since there's no official guidance about what testing should be performed. Um, FMT provides proof of concept that restoration of the microbiome may lead to better rates of clinical treatment response in patients with multiply recurrent C. diff infection. There are a number of ways by which FMT can be delivered to a patient, including a nasal duodenal tube from the nose to the stomach, colonoscopy, or enema. Colonoscopy is usually done with sedation of the patient. Uh, enemas are less invasive and do not require sedation, but all uh, but not all patients can, are able to retain enemas. Minimally processed stool has also been put into oral capsules by some stool banks, although the patient must take up to about 30 capsules at a time, and there are very few uh, published data on the safety and efficacy of this approach. There are also caveats to highlight on the issue of safety with FMT. Although donors are often screened for infectious pathogens, there's still a risk of transmitting a newly emerging infection that has yet to be identified. Simply put, uh, it's hard to test for a pathogen that's not even on your radar screen. And we all know of several examples of infections over the past decade that seemingly have just burst into the news media out of nowhere, creating global concerns. FMT is an investigational treatment and has not been approved by the FDA. Um, There have been a few small open-label published prospective trials of FMT. The few that have been performed have demonstrated first-dose efficacy of FMT to be in the range of 47 to 81 percent, depending on the route of administration. 
efficacy has been shown to increase with serial administration of FMT in these small studies. For example, in one study that included 20 patients getting FMT through colonoscopy, the efficacy of FMT was 90%, but six of those patients had to have multiple colonoscopies to achieve clinical improvement. Furthermore, the optimal dose of FMT is still unknown, and the optimal route is also unclear because there have been no large comparative trials. Now, one of the few placebo-controlled trials of FMT delivered via colonoscopy showed a first-dose response rate of 89% in the patients who were randomized to get donor stool from a healthy volunteer. The study was sponsored by the National Institutes of Health, NIH, and was performed at two study centers in New York and Rhode Island. The placebo was autologous stool, which means stool from the patient. And this was an excellent way of blinding this trial and was a true strength of the study design. However, the study results demonstrated high placebo response rates similar to those seen with the donor treatment stool in one of the study sites. Now, the authors commented in their published paper that it was possible that some of the patients in the trial did not have C. diff infection and perhaps were only colonized with C. diff. And these comments from the researchers highlight a major debate in the field that's ongoing right now about what's the optimal way to diagnose C. diff infection. In the past, C. diff toxin testing was performed because it was faster than culture and it was thought that toxins were a good marker of the disease. Over the past eight years or so, the pendulum has swung towards PCR testing. PCR is very sensitive for detecting C. diff, but PCR can't differentiate colonization from infection. So it's important to be able to tell the difference between colonization versus infection because you don't want to expose someone to antibiotics if they don't need them. In addition, past studies have shown that if you give antibiotics to a carrier of C. diff, you might even prolong the time they're colonized. Finally, patients who are colonized with C. diff but have diarrhea from some other cause may have a delay in diagnosis and the symptom relief that they need, and that's very problematic. Now, since accurate diagnosis is always important for optimal patient care, the European guidelines now recommend that no single test should be used for C. diff testing. In fact, they recommend a combination of testing for C. diff itself, and if that test is positive, test for toxin. This way, we use antibiotics in those who need them, and we're going to be looking forward to guidelines coming out from the Infectious Disease Society of America this year. So everyone should stay tuned in for those recommendations as well. Exactly. And thank you so much, Dr. McGovern, for sharing that information. And we look forward to the new guidelines also. And can you tell us more about the microbiome therapeutic drugs and development at Ceres Therapeutics? Oh, it be my pleasure. At Ceres Therapeutics, uh, we're dedicated to developing a microbiome-based therapies that we call ecobiotic drugs for patients with various conditions. We are designing these ecobiotic drug candidates to help 
restore the ecology of the microbes in the gut to treat specific diseases by restoring the microbiome. As mentioned earlier, right now we're focused on studying SEER 109, our first investigational ecobiotic drug for the hardest to treat patients with CDI, those with multiple recurrences. We are using Firmicute spores in oral capsules. If you remember from the beginning of this podcast, I said that Firmicutes play a dominant role in the healthy microbiome, including normal gut function. On the other hand, in those with dysbiosis, Firmicutes are depleted, while other unusual phyla might dominate. Thus, our goal is to replenish the Firmicute spores that have been lost and to restore the healthy balance of the microbiome. SEER-109 is an investigational drug composed of 50 Firmicutes that are, de- um, uh, that are derived from stool collections from healthy screen donors. As we've already discussed, C. diff infection is a two-hit process that is best served by a two-pronged treatment approach. We believe that antibiotic treatment is only one phase of a comprehensive approach that optimally should include microbiome therapeutics. Our phase three EcoSport trial will help us determine if SEER-109 can reduce recurrence of CDI by restoring microbial diversity and function. The purified Firmicute spores in SEER-109 represent 0.1% of donor stool. Our FDA-regulated process removes vegetative bacteria, fungi, parasites, and most viruses. Compared to minimally processed FMT, our FDA-regulated manufacturing process minimizes the risk of transmission of infectious agents to the patient. Rather than exposing the patient to whole stool from a donor, our approach is to give only what we believe is necessary to achieve resolution of clinical symptoms since we are in our infancy in understanding the microbiome and believe believe that this focused approach is more prudent for patient safety. And because of the important role that dysbiosis plays in recurrent C. diff, we believe that dysbiosis is a promising therapeutic target. Exactly. Thank you so much, Dr. McGovern. And I'm sure that this would be welcome information for any of our listeners who may be suffering with multiple episodes of C. diff. And I'm curious curious as to why Series Therapeutics named this trial Ecospore. Well, the Ecospore trial refers to two words, ecology and spore. The word ecology is a good way to think about the community of bacteria that live in our gut And I've already told you about the Firmicute spores, which play such an important role in gut health. We also refer to SEER-109 as an ecobiotic because it was developed to rebuild the ecology and the imbalance of the microbiome in people who have recurrent C. diff. Okay, and Dr. McGovern, can you trace for us your clinical development program in CDI before we go to break? Sure. In our first open-label phase one trial, patients with multiply recurrent C. diff who had symptom resolution of diarrhea on CDI antibiotics were treated with varying doses of SEER-109. Our primary efficacy endpoint was absence of C. diff-positive diarrhea during an eight-week follow-up period. 
30 patients were enrolled and 86.7% met the primary efficacy endpoint. Adverse events included mild diarrhea, abdominal pain, and nausea. In our double-blind placebo-controlled clinical trial, that was phase two, the safety and efficacy of SEER 109 was compared to placebo to prevent recurrence in 89 adult patients with multiply recurrent C. diff infection. In contrast to the phase one trial, we did not see a benefit of SEER 109 versus placebo in the phase two. Relative to safety, the most common adverse events reported in the SEER 109 arm were diarrhea, abdominal pain, and flatulence. No drug-related serious adverse events were observed. I'd like to discuss uh, further uh, what we learned, uh, but perhaps you'd like to go for a break. Absolutely, Dr. McGovern. We thank you for sharing the microbiota therapeutic drugs and development at Series Therapeutics at this time. And we are going to pause for a brief commercial break. And when we return, we will continue discussing the role of the microbiome in reducing the risk of C. diff recurrence with our guest, Dr. Barbara McGovern, Vice President of Medical Affairs at Series Therapeutics. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To help support the C. Diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing. Number one in infection prevention. 
For additional information on hand-washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more. We thank you for joining us today. We welcome our guest, Dr. Barbara McGovern, Vice President of Medical Affairs at Ceres Therapeutics, joining us today to discuss the role of the microbiome in reducing the risk of C. diff recurrence. Welcome back to the pro- program, Dr. McGovern. Happy to be here. Oh, thank you. And before break, you were discussing the SCR um, series therapeutic medications in, in the clinical trials. And do you know what might have caused the different outcomes between the two trials? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Nancy, because discovering the answers took months of intensive research, and we have learned so much in the process. After our very thorough investigation, we concluded that there were two main reasons as to why the two trials had different outcomes. It boils down to dose and to diagnosis. So let me explain that further. On the diagnostic side, we had allowed our investigators to use PCR or toxin testing to diagnose uh, potential candidates with C. uh, C. diff infection based on the current guideline recommendations at the time. In our investigation, we learned that most of the patients who were enrolled had qualified for the study based on a positive PCR test. So due to the concerns about overdiagnosis of C. diff with PCR that has emerged over the last couple of years, we suspect that some of those patients may have only been colonized with C. diff. And as discussed earlier, overdiagnosis with PCR had been raised as a concern in the NIH FMT trial as well. On the dosing side, our researchers also looked back at our phase 1b uh, study in terms of the microbiome. And although they found evidence supporting engraftment of SEER 109, engraftment means is, are these, you know, the uh, bugs from SEER 109 taking hold in the gut? We saw that there was a difference in how fast that engraftment occurred. Engraftment uh, seemed to be better in those who had received higher doses in the Phase 1B study. And many patients listening to this broadcast who have had recurrent C. diff know that C. diff infection comes back fast, usually within a week or two. So it really matters how fast the drug for C. diff works. So we believe that the faster the engraftment, the more likely SEER 109 will be able to prevent recurrence of C. diff infection. So that's why we're increasing our dosing and providing the drug daily for three days in our Phase 3 Ecospore 3 trial. So after months of investigation and with these key learnings, Series Therapeutic put forth this new plan to the FDA. We proposed a much larger trial of 320 patients, and all the potential uh, candidates will be diagnosed with C. diff by toxin testing 
and we proposed to them this tenfold higher dose. So based on our interactions with the FDI, uh, FDA, our EcoSpore 3 trial was designated a phase 3 trial that will support the registration and approval of CIR-109 if we can demonstrate persuasive efficacy and safety and address other FDA requirements. So we're quite excited about the FDA's response to our new trial design and have actually already started enrollment. We are aiming for more than 100 sites across the U.S. to be certain that as many patients as possible who are suffering with this terrible infection will have access to the clinical trial. We'll also extend our trial to those patients with multiply recurrent C. diff in Canada as well, and patients who take part in the research will have access to the first microbiome therapeutic drug under FDA uh, regulation. I also want our listeners to know that patients who have a recurrence of C. diff infection in the EcoSpore 3 trial and complete eight weeks in the study may be eligible to subsequently roll over into our EcoSpore 4 trial in this open-label extension study. All patients will get SEER 109. There will be no placebo in that study. Well, we congratulate you and are so excited for this information. Uh, and thank you for sharing this with the listeners today, Dr. McGovern. Um, we want to know also, besides C. diff infections, are you investigating whether microbiome therapeutics could be helpful to patients with other types of diseases? Yes. In fact, I want to mention, thank you for asking, that we just announced results of our placebo-controlled double-blind phase 1b trial in ulcerative colitis, which showed positive efficacy and safety results with our investigational drug SEER-287 in patients with mild to moderate disease. Um, And uh, the other thing I should mention is that we also are running a trial for patients with their first episode of C. diff. Uh, to see if we can reduce the risk of recurrence in those patients as well. Uh, This trial is testing the efficacy and safety of SEER-262, which is a fermented product, and the primary endpoint of that study will compare the recurrence rate of C. diff infections between patients who get SEER-262 and those treated with placebo up to eight weeks after being dosed, and safety follow-up will be up to 24 weeks. Um, so SEER-262 is the first designed ecobiotic drug to reach clinical stage development, and we're very excited about that. And anyone interested in enrolling in that program can call 617-203-3422 or can read more information on the clinicaltrials.gov website. Thank you so much, Dr. McGovern. And before we close the program today, do you have any closing comments you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I I just want to say that um, I think it's very important that we all appreciate the uh, kind of uh, suffering uh, that patients with multiple recurrent C. diff um, infections have. I'm myself an infectious disease doctor by training, and I've seen these patients and, and they really, you know, they have very poor quality of life. Uh, it, it restricts their ability to work, to go to school, to enjoy simple activities in life. And I'm just appreciative of the fact that you, Nancy, have devoted your life to this website 
and bringing all this kinds of educational materials to patients worldwide. So thank you for all the work that you do on behalf of patients with C. diff. Uh, thank you, Dr. McGovern. And as you know, we're all in it together. So we thank you and we are, are all excited for your positive progr- progress uh, in your um, therapeutic products. And thank you so much for you and series therapeutic professionals who work diligently at what you do. And we thank you for being with us here today and sharing the important information with our global listeners. You provided a wealth of information for our patients, their families, and fellow healthcare professionals worldwide. So we thank you again, Dr. McGovern, for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity, Nancy. And you're best of welcome. luck to you at the uh, upcoming conference that I know that you're sponsoring. The uh, program looks fantastic. Uh, thank you. <laughs> We're very excited for it, and it will be on November 9th and 10th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, we thank all of our sponsors for um, their support, and we also thank uh, our diamond sponsors, Synthetic Biologics, for uh, providing sponsorship for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference. Uh, for additional conference information and to register, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website, www.cdifffoundation.org. And before we close the program today, um, we would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge all of the organizations around the globe who are dedicated to improving health, who are researching and developing new products to address C. difficile infection prevention and treatments. For more information focused on C. difficile infection, prevention and treatment clinical trials, please learn more about them and how you can take part in the clinical studies. Visit our C. diff Foundation's website, cdifffoundation.org, and click on Clinical Trials and Progress. Please help them to help you to help others. We send out our get well wishes to all patients being treated and recovering from a C. diff infection many wellness-draining illnesses being combated across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corella, with our reminder that none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health and a good day. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together.